home to Envisioned Broadcasting. Envisioned Broadcasting. The station designed to encourage, equip, and empower you for growth and success. An affiliate of Direct Impact Broadcasting and Creative Broadcasting. Presenting the Empower Hour with Jerisha. A show that shares the stories behind the journeys of leaders, influencers, and motivators. The Empower Hour with Jerisha begins now. Welcome, welcome to Empower Hour with Jerisha. I am your host, Jerisha Moore. A little bit about myself, I am a best-selling author with over 18 years of combined experience in education, finance, healthcare, business management, and development. Owner and founder of Empower on Purpose, LLC, where we provide personal and professional coaching and consulting services. Certified coach, speaker, and trainer with the Don Maxwell team, and owner of Envision Broadcasting Radio Station. Before I introduce my guest this evening, I would like to announce two upcoming workshops sponsored by Empower on Purpose. One is a networking visual or virtual vision board workshop that is offered the first Sunday of every month. The next one is happening on July 7th. This is a goal-setting vision board workshop and online networking event. During the workshop, you will learn a proven framework to help you tap into your true desires and dreams. Use those desires to set intentional goals and then outline an achievable plan. You will break all traditional goal-setting philosophies during this workshop. You will also receive worksheets that will help you in completing your vision board effortlessly. Register today to enjoy an amazing atmosphere with great vibrations, laughter, fun, while you write your vision with power and purpose. The other workshop is a planner meetup event happening in the Dayton, Ohio area at the Dayton Metro Library on Sunday, July 14th at 2 p.m., that is. This is a free event for all of the planner babes in the Dayton, Cincinnati, and Columbus, Ohio area who love to plan, organize, and would love to come together with other planner babes to share planner tools and ideas. To register or to find out more information about both, please visit www.empoweronpurpose.com. So this week's empowerment quote is, if you really want to live your life to the fullest and realize your greatest potential, you must be willing to run the risk of making some people mad. People may not like what you do. People may not like how you do it. But these people are not living your life. You are by Ayana Van Zandt. That is the absolute truth. Listen, folks, it has been my experience that you can't and won't please everybody, no matter what it is, so you shouldn't try to. I can't stress how important it is to stay in your lane and live your own life by your own terms. So without further delay,
assisted with other inspiring coaches, authors, and thought leaders on her personal development podcast, Kicking It with Dari. When Dari is not reading, traveling, jumping into a line dance, or on social media, she enjoys spending time with her beautiful daughter, Kayla. Welcome, Dari. How are you? Hi, Jerisha. How are you? I'm awesome. I'm so happy to have you on the show today. Yes, me too. This is so exciting. I'm actually live. I, you know, get to fix all my mistakes on my podcast, but now you're getting the raw, real deal. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. So I did share some, you know, some of your amazing story. I would love if you could share, you know, a little bit more with with the listeners about your journey and background and really how you really came to do all the amazing things you're doing now. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been quite a journey. You know, when you, like, read all the things that I do now, it's like, oh, work? Like, I do all that? But (laughs) it's not all at once, you know. It's not like you just, like, pop up and start, you know, doing things. A lot of us, you know, have our own businesses and we're multi-passionate. But, you know, it takes a while to figure out, you know, what um, order to start things and how to go. So my backstory is this. Um, as you mentioned, um, I grew up in New York. I grew up in central New York, not New York City people. There's a whole state of New York. It's not just the five boroughs. <laughs> and I grew up in the middle of that state. And um, I'm really I'm creative and technical. Like I've seen that throughout my whole life. You know, I love words. Um, spoken, written words, and I didn't always like my voice, but now, as you said a minute ago, I use my voice all the time, and I'll get back to that in a second, but I remember being in high school, um, I really started my love of writing when I was very young, and I remember being in high school when I had this uh, black and white composition notebook, the standard old ones Mm -hmm. that probably cost like 20 cents right now, and I (laughs) would write like scenes of like this made up soap opera. I would write short stories, but they were like soap opera like and you know, I have all these different characters doing different things. I'd cut out mm. pictures out of magazines, like of models and things, and they would be my characters that I would visualize. And I would pass around the composition notebook, um, in class. Like I wasn't I was a pretty good student. I wasn't supposed to be passing around a notebook or, or notes or anything, but that's what I did and at lunchtime, all of us would get together, and the girls would be like, yeah, you know, this person should do this. This person should punch this person out. This person should walk in and see this. <laughs> and they would, like, you know, give me feedback on the stories. And I, you know, was creative in that way, but I was also an avid bookworm, and I really loved mm-hmm. to read, and I loved to learn. You know, I, I read more fiction when I was young, and then it gradually moved to nonfiction. So there's so many ways that I'm both creative and technical. Um, I got a Bachelor of Science first, and then I got a Master's Mm -hmm. um, later. And the the Bachelor's was in um, professional and technical communication, which is a big mouthful. It's like it doesn't even barely fit across the diploma that it's on. Um, And I went to this – the college I went to was called SUNY – it was called SUNY Tech. And I think they changed Mm -hmm. the name of it some years ago and changed it to Polytechnic University or something. But anyway, um, I went to a technical – upper division college, meaning that everyone at that time had to transfer in, so you already had to have enough credit in your first two years to go to SUNY Tech. You couldn't just go to SUNY Tech without a high school. So I went Mm -hmm. to SUNY in Buffalo first, and then I ended up coming back and going to SUNY Tech. 
Um, and when I graduated from there, I graduated in the beginning of December of that year, and no lie, February 2nd, like six weeks later or so, maybe two months later, I started the job that I have now. I, like, work wow. in corporate America still, and I still have that job. It's been 20 years this past February. So, you know, I'm, I am doing a lot. I'm doing the most right now, but there was an evolution <laughs> to it. Um, you know, I remember my first job um, in that February of 99, I was in this D.C. suburb, and I was there until they closed the building. And the product line that I was working on transitioned to some contractors in India. So I decided mm. that I wanted to leave the D.C. area anyway, so I ended up moving a few hours down the road to Hampton Roads, Virginia. And um, I was there for about six years. And um, I want to say back in 05, I actually got, you know, the pink slip. I got a letter saying, you know, you're not going to be needed anymore, blah, 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 because I wasn't assigned to a product line anymore. And mm -hmm. um, at the very last minute, I want to say two, three weeks after that, I got a last-minute message saying you're going to be retained. And that's why I'm still here, because they haven't, you know, Absolutely. let me go. They found use for me, um, which is mm -hmm. awesome. Because um, I know people talk about millennials now and stuff, but, in my generation, it's still unheard of for someone to be with one company for that long. Um, yes. So back in those early days of my career, the company had, like, it was like the good old days. We had, like, you know, unlimited drinks, you know, just go to the fridge, get whatever soda, whatever drink you wanted, and just it was all yours. They had this great traveling budget. They approved everything, you know, mm -hmm. rental car, you want to go here, you want to go there, you know, training conferences, all that. So I remember going to conferences, and I would talk, you know, I'd speak about my position, about technical writing um, mm -hmm. to different places. Like one of the conferences I spoke at a long time ago, even before I was a mom, um, is SPC, which stands for Society of Technical Communication. And you know, there's different opportunities that I would try to get myself into to speak because I knew that I loved to speak. I knew that I had a message, even though I didn't know all the particulars about, mm -hmm. you know, how to get that. And this ties back into uh, me using my voice and, you know, being a kid and being, you know, teased about my voice, but then ending up really being able to use it as an asset and to empower others. Um, so Absolutely. I mean, Back in the day, also, you know, in central New York, I went to church, and I didn't go every day. I went for, like, the Sunday afternoon programs and stuff, but I didn't go, like, all the time. It was, like, um, quite, a, quite a ways away from my house. And uh, mm -hmm. my mom always had us in all of those afternoon programs, the Easter play and all the other programs and ceremonies. Sometimes I'd be the mistress of ceremonies, and I would introduce everyone. Um, I would sing with the choir. So there were a lot of different opportunities that I had in a safe environment growing up to be able to speak in front of people and to get used to being in front of people. Absolutely. And I personally was, um, I don't really recall ever being afraid uh, to perform, mm -hmm. you know, not when I was a kid and not when I was a young adult because I didn't end up leaving there until I was about 22, I think. So I always loved speaking, being in front of people, performing, presenting, and I would look for things to present. Um, and then I got away from that for a while. And when I got to Hampton Roads, Virginia, um, I, at that point I was working from home. Um, and mm -hmm. so I was obviously, you know, 
kind of isolated. And I said, what can I do to speak more? And so I joined a Toastmasters group. And the Toastmasters group is a place for not only me to be able to hone my speaking skills and get better and learn more of the technical aspects of writing a speech and all that, um, but also to meet people, you know, to network, to make friends. Sometimes when you network, you meet colleagues and partners, yeah. and sometimes you meet friends, and sometimes they end up being the same person. And so the, there was no way I could lose, you know. Um, and at the time when I started Toastmasters, my daughter was like maybe four, and mm -hmm. I would bring her with me often, not all the time, but if, you know, nobody, if I didn't have anybody to watch her, I'd bring her with me. So she grew up all the time. Um, seeing me go up in front of people and speak. And, you know, she doesn't love to speak in front of people, but she's not as afraid, I think, as someone who, you know, yes. wouldn't be ex wasn't exposed to it. Um, so that was a blessing that my mother absolutely. gave me, putting me out there in church. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And so, I, you know, I, you mentioned Toastmasters uh, group. And, you know, I, it's been my experience, too. So, you know, the local chapter that's here in the, um, the Dayton, Ohio area, um, wonderful, wonderful group to, you know, really get connected. And, you know, if you're having that fear of really speaking in front of people, an excellent group to get connected with. And, as you, you know, as you mentioned, you, you meet, you know, some colleagues, you meet um, those that you can really connect with and, you know, really help you on your own growth journey with learning to speak in front of other people. Um, so I know that you, you know, you've mentioned that you're a technical writer and a speaker and, you know, a certified life coach and podcast host host and um, <laughs> entrepreneur, you, you're such a busy lady. So can you share more as far as how do you, how do you juggle it, it all? <laughs> and a mother as well. Oh, so my gosh. How do you juggle yeah. it all? Well, you know, like I said, I wasn't doing all of these things all at once, and I don't really think that I could physically maintain all, all those balls up in the air by myself. You know, the technical mm -hmm. writing started, you know, in the late 90s. Um, I didn't get certified as a life coach or do my podcast or the voiceovers or anything until like the last uh, five years. So, you know, there's a big spread there. You know, I became an author before I did the coaching and the podcasting. So mm -hmm. there's a spread. Um, so I don't want people to think, oh, my goodness, she's just one of those, like, you know, multi-hyphenate people, whatever, right. like superwoman, <laughs> like whatever yes. so a lot of us some people start off as a coach or do or something else and then they fall into those same things but they fall into it in a different order um i i can tell you that when i started doing technical writing in the late 90s um i was in an office those first few years in dc and i was the youngest person there i was like 22 years old i was the youngest mm -hmm. person there i was engaged to my first husband at the time um, i didn't have a child so i basically grew up um, mm -hmm. in that office with coworkers that were like, you know, 20, 30, 40 years older than I was. Um, I remember my former manager, she was like 
a second mother to me. You know, she was a little short white lady. You know, we didn't have much mm-hmm. in common. But, but for all intents and purposes, when I look back, she was like another mother to me because when I moved to D.C., my mom was still in New York. So it was like, okay, how do I navigate these things? And I would go to her and talk to her about personal things, even though she was there to be my manager. I remember yeah. she was the one that encouraged me to get my master's degree because um, I had no intentions on going back to college. I was like, man, I finished what I need to do. I'm done. But she was like, no. She said, there's this tuition assistance program degree. You've got to, like, take advantage of this. And mm-hmm. what I come to find out is that not only would the company, you know, pay for my degree as long as it was in a certain field and, um, you know, I got B grades or better, but she was doing it at the same time to get her bachelor's. She said, I want to get my bachelor's degree. Wait a minute. She's going to get her – she's trying to get her bachelor's by the time she's 50, which goes to show you that we all have different kinds of goals, and there's no shame in – you know, going for something or wanting to do many things and feeling like, oh, well, time is running out for me. You know, I'm too old Mm -hmm. now. I might as well just hang it up because, you know, all all these other young people, all these millennials are out here, all these whatever are out here, Mm -hmm. and, you know, my time has passed. No, 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 no. My manager was 49 years old talking about, I need to get my bachelor's, and I want you to get your master's on the company dime. That's right. She really, you know, encouraged me in many ways. Um, I haven't spoken to her verbally in many years, but we've never been out of touch. I always send her birthday and Christmas cards and all of that. She's watched my daughter grow up through the... something that you want to do because it's not and like I said all these different things that I'm doing it's all a part of who I am but it's a part of a Mm -hmm. journey it wasn't like I just started doing everything all at once you know Um, you just gotta when when the time is right you invest in the time and you make it happen you go through different seasons you know being a single parent with a child at age three or being any kind of parent single or with a partner when your mm-hmm. child or children are three and five and seven, it's completely different from when they're teenagers. It's completely different from when they're, when they're right. grown with their own children. So those different seasons, whether you have a partner or not, are going to dictate, you know, how, you know, how, how thin you can spread yourself, you know, and, and what you can accomplish. And you've, I think you've got to be realistic and not beat yourself down because you're seeing other people traveling the world. They're posting their pictures from Dubai on Facebook and everything. And you're like, man, I want to go to Dubai. Like I can't Mm -hmm. even go to Hawaii and that's in the U S you know, it's like, that's, that's my personal thing. And I I wanted to do that so badly when I turned 30, which was quite a while ago, but this year Mm -hmm. is the year that I'm making it happen. And I'm going to Hawaii. I'm actually going to be going on a solo trip to Hawaii for my birthday, and it took me over a decade to finally line everything up to make it happen. Mm. But you know, I don't believe that. Yeah, Jerisha, it's like I, yeah, I don't feel like you know you. I don't feel like I, I, at the time I felt like I was missing out because my friends mm-hmm. that didn't have kids was doing it big, but 
I haven't missed out on anything. You know, what's meant for me to do, you That's know, right. it's going to happen when it's supposed to happen. That's right. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, there's no time like the present when it comes down to, you know, wanting to reach for your dreams. And, you know, you mentioned um, you know, the lady that you were working with that's going back, that went back for her bachelor's. Um, you know, it took me some years to finish my undergrad, but, you know, I was determined to actually finish that. as well. Um, mm -hmm. And in our discussion, she suggested that, you know, you have some things that you probably want to offer people. Um, why don't you write a book about your life, you know? Because um, I, I told her I wanted to be a professional motivational speaker. I wanted to be a life coach. And, you know, people tell their story. Usually they have a book. They have something. Usually when someone gets off the stage, they don't just leave quietly. You know, they tell you about something that they're offering. And um, right. I was like, oh, no, I had a whole lot of self-doubt. Um, or anything, and I think that those stories are very important. I'm not belittling them, but I felt like my story, because it was, quote, regular, wasn't mm -hmm. as important as some of those types of stories. And so, you know, because I didn't have a dramatic backstory that was made for film, you know, I was like, oh, no, nobody's going to care. And, and she said to Ree, she was like, you have a story that needs to be mm -hmm. told. Like, don't discount it. Don't put yourself down. I think that there's a lot of people that could be helped by what you have to say. So I started compiling stories from my past with the help of my trusty journals from high school. I have been journaling since wow. I was like 12 years old, 12, 13, and it started off on loose leaf paper. Then I got cute and fancy with it, with the little diaries and stuff with mm -hmm. the little lock on the side. You know, I have mm -hmm. the whole, you know, rainbow of journals. And um, <laughs> my goal with writing What's Wrong With Me is to help other young women who were struggling with those issues 
of self-esteem and stuff that I was going through. And a lot of the feedback that I got from women that said, you know, listen, I'm going to read this first before I give it to my kid, which I totally understand is, she ain't getting this book. Like, this is my book. She's going to get it her mm-hmm. own because I needed this book. Like, you know, 30, 40-year-old women are telling me, like, this book helped me. So it was very well received. You know, I discussed a lot of different stories from my childhood that dealt with, you know, media influence, you know, watching music videos and stuff, uh, premarital yeah. sex that I engaged in, um, family and personal relationships because I was always vying for the attention of my dad, and I really – really wanted his approval and my mom was easy to talk to but my dad was like a wall and so I just talked about all these different stories and then what I did was not just the story but also looking back on it in present day and you know as a then 30 something writing it saying Mm -hmm. you know these are the things that I would have told my younger self like if I could go back and tell the the young Doree listen this is what you need to do, or this is what you don't need. You don't need to worry about this person, or whatever, or or things that I would have liked to have heard from. Um, and they were not. They just weren't those type of people that was giving me advice that I could talk to, that I could, you know, like in the movie mm-hmm. Soul Food and all that. I didn't have that Soul Food experience. I didn't have it. So I'm like, I'm going to kind of be my own mentor or be a mentor for the youth of today, you know, because there's Absolutely. not, unless you, unless you, when you take out the social media piece and get to the root, it's all the same stuff. Like it's just a new yeah. generation and it, it might manifest in a few different ways because now we're more, you know, open to different kinds of bullying and there's cyber bullying and there's other ways to get at people. But the root of it all, you know, the, the teen pregnancies and the, the, the low self-esteem and, and this hating of yourself and your body image, those things are nothing new. It's just a new generation. Right. Um, and That's and right. you know that these things, whether you see it in your own life or with sisters or friends, you know, when you leave that stuff unchecked, then, you know, you become a 30, 40, 50-year-old woman that's still operating mm-hmm. as that 12-year-old, you know, that's right. that wounded child. Absolutely. You know, I have a teenage daughter, um, you know, myself, and, you know, I can't stress how important it is to have those discussions and have that open communication about self-love. Um, you know, like you said, we live in the day and age where it's all about social media and they're looking at you know, the the stars and, you know, they want to be like the stars and all of that. And so it's so important to have that communication. And it's really, you know, great to hear that you actually have, you know, the book series that is truly there to help those teens, you know, have those discussions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether it's, you know, having this discussion with your mom, you know, after reading that book, or maybe it's something, you know, that you can, that, you know, parents can read along with their daughter, you know, but I definitely think it's so important to have those discussions, you know, with the teens. So let's talk, mm-hmm. let's you know talk about your your latest book um, called it Ending the Blame Game. Tell us more about what this book is about and your inspiration behind writing that one. Yeah, that one was completely different. That one was not inspired by me, although I'm sure I could have put my two cents in. I didn't need to. Um, <laughs> I ended up one day I don't remember why, but one day one of my first cousins um, 
he is about maybe five or six years older than me. So, you know, we're not that far apart. Um, I, at the time, I was living in Atlanta, and he was living in Dallas. And he called me, and we hadn't talked in many years. And he was like, you know what, Dari, I'm getting a divorce. I'm like, he called me Re. He was like, Re, I'm getting a divorce. And I was like, what? And he, like, was with his wife from, like, age 16 or 17, like, high school sweethearts. Mm. And, like, they had twin girls together as well as another son. And um, I'm like, man, you have a beautiful family. What's going on? And we ended up talking on the phone for, like, four hours. And wow. the main gist of it was that, you know, this generation, like the last, you know, 15, 20 years, you know, looks at marriage and relationships completely different than mm-hmm. our grandparents did. You know, we talked about the way that our grandparents interacted. And he knew them better than I did because um, I didn't meet my um, – the, the grandparents that I shared with my cousin um, are on my father's side, and I didn't end up meeting them until I was about 14 or 15. So I didn't really grow up with them the way he did. But um, – you know, they stay together until they die. And, you know, mm. the, the way that they were with each other is like, you know, people, people don't do that anymore. Just like I was talking about a minute ago mm-hmm. with staying in corporate America, being with one company for 20 years. Ain't nobody trying to stay with nobody for 20 <laughs> years no more. Like, forget about right. being together for 50 years. And so, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm not even 50 yet, so I know that's not going to happen for me. So it's like, you know, mm-hmm. it's a completely different day and age. And what I ended up doing was I was blogging a lot at the time, and I, I put out a call on Twitter and other places for um, people that were willing to share their stories, black men in particular, that were willing mm-hmm. to share their stories about, you know, trying to find love, trying to maintain relationships, um, and, and, you know, co-parenting with their children's mother, um, whether it was due to divorce or maybe they never got married and they didn't want to, whatever. And I, then I also took, I, I weaved those stories together because after doing all those different interviews, some were online and some were in person, through men all across the country, there were so many similarities. These men mm-hmm. did not know each other. There was only like maybe like two or three men that knew each other, and all the rest of them did not know each other at all. And there were so many repetitive themes that popped up. So it's, the book almost wrote itself as far as like dividing up the chapters and the topics mm-hmm. that I was going to discuss. And what I ended up doing was, even though these guys didn't know each other, it was, it's nonfiction in the sense that these are their real stories, but it's fiction because not only did I use fake names, but I weaved them together, those characters together, as if they knew each other, sort of like um, the movie The Best Man, like yeah. you know, the, mm-hmm. the people are having a reunion. Um, so I mm-hmm. kind of wrote it that way. So I don't really know if it's considered fiction or nonfiction because, you know, the, the content is really true, even though the names, you know, are to protect the innocent, to change to protect right. the innocent. Um, so, you know, that was a great experience because I got to promote that book. I, my, my book launch was fabulous. It was really great to be able to get together with people and talk about relationships. But it wasn't like I was just giving these issues, you know, voice. I was also bringing in different therapists, counselors, coaches to comment on some of these different things. So I had, you know, someone that is a legal analyst, you know, an Esquire. Mm-hmm. Um, she she is the one that commented on the chapter, the legal chapter, that talked about child support and things like that. 
she was the one that, you know, gave her opinion about that. Then maybe there was another kind of topic that the men were discussing, and then I would give that chapter to another therapist, and they would comment on mm-hmm. the situations going on there. So I am the one that did the work of writing and publishing the book, but I didn't write, like, the words didn't come from me, only, like, the, the scenarios that I put those characters in, but they're real people, real situations, and... um it was inspired by my cousin and his divorce. That's how it came about. He was like, Reed, you should write this book. And I'm like, what? Like, I, I can't do that every time somebody wants me to write a book. But <laughs> for him, I did. So, And I think, it's, I think it's helpful to people, even though it's completely, you know, worlds away from the teenage stuff, you know. Absolutely. So staying along the lines as far as relationships, and I, you know, I have to say, you know, I completely agree with you when you say, that, you know, this day and age for people to have those long-term relationships and marriages is just not happening. Um, I am blessed to have parents that's been been married for like 45 years. But, you know, that's just not what's happening, you know, with our with our generation and even younger. Um, but I would love to say along the lines of talking about relationships and if you can share, whether it's through your research, um, just some tips on how people can eliminate the toxic toxic relationships. Oh, yeah. You know, I think it starts with knowing your limits. And when you don't know mm-hmm. what your limits are, the I could tell you this isn't like the best way to find out, but you will definitely find out what those limits or boundaries are when someone crosses them. You know, Absolutely. Um, if you think like if you just think about basic again, sort of kind of along the lines of being a teenager or whatever, you know, the first time a teenager you know, decides they want to be involved with someone, they have to decide how comfortable they want to get, you know, with the touching, okay, with the kissing, how far is too far. And it's the same thing with toxic relationships. You know, if someone is violating you or or, or even making you a little bit uncomfortable, mm-hmm. that is giving mm-hmm. you an idea that, you know what, you're crossing my limits here. I, I need to say something. But perhaps you don't know what to say or you know, how to say it in a way that it will come across. Because for some people, they will continue to test you as long as you let them. It's just yeah. like, you know, my, the easy example is children, right? You know, if mm-hmm. you are going to give your child what they want in the grocery store whenever they scream and cry, they learn that you are going to, as long as I push mommy, she's going to give me what I want. And it's the same thing with these other people, you know, and it's not so much that it's always someone being toxic as far as, you know, physical or verbal abuse. Sometimes it's not that blatant. Sometimes it's Mm -hmm. just these little innocuous comments, like these little things under their breath or these things that they say off to the side, you know, Um, trying to make you feel guilty about certain things. Like, well, you know, like, well, you know, we family. You know, you're my cousin. We family. You know, you're my girl. You're my best friend. You know, you're supposed to, like, mm-hmm. implying that you're supposed to do this for me because you're my blank. And the only thing that you really have to do, you know, is, like, pay taxes and, in my case, stay black and die, right? You don't really mm-hmm. have to do anything else. And That's right. um, when you decide that you're going to not deal with the issues that are bothering you, not deal with the toxic behavior, you're enabling it to continue. So instead of it being a little kid having a tantrum in the grocery store, 
it's an adult mm. having a mantrum because you don't want to let them hold a couple of dollars or, you know, whatever the case. And it's like you have to get to the place where you value yourself, you honor yourself, you believe that you are important, you're not last on the list. When you start mm-hmm. to believe those things about yourself, you will not tolerate anyone. I mean, not even mama. Nobody can put you down, you know, and get away with it. You know, you okay. don't have to deal with that. And some people really do believe that, you know, they have to take it because, you know, a person is related or whatever. You don't have to take it. You don't have to. It's a choice that we make when we decide how much do we want to put up with. And I think that the, the really horrible cycle is that when you have put up with so much for so long, you start mm-hmm. to turn on yourself, you know. Right. It's like a vicious cycle. It's like, you know, the, the, the altercation happens or the situation happens, and then afterwards you feel like so alone and ashamed and, oh, my gosh, I'm so stupid, or why did I let him do that, or why did I let her say that to me? She always says that, and I never say anything back, you know. I'm just, you know, a wimp or whatever. Um, and we start to put ourselves down because mm-hmm. we know that this other person is not treating us right. We know it. So I don't know if I really, like, fully answered your question, but I want to stop right there just in case mm-hmm. because I, I, I kind of get really amped up about this topic and I, I go all over mm-hmm. the place. But it's like I, because I just see so many people, and I, I deal mostly with, with women and females, I see so many women and young mm-hmm. girls that just, you know, they, they start down that path and it's so hard to get them back to value themselves. But when right. I, I tell you, there's there's some people that you look at and you know, and, and men do this too. They look at a person and like, well, you know what, this chick looks like she's not going to take no mess. I'm not even going to try, mm-hmm. you know. That's right. Or mm-hmm. they'll try once, okay, once, mm-hmm. and that's it. Once they find out, they go, they move on to the next person. They they like, let me let me see who my who my next victim is going to be because she's not having it. That's right. You could be one of those people that's not having it. You can give Mm -hmm. off that aura of confidence, even if you have to fake it till you make it. You can give off that aura of confidence that says, don't mess with me. I love myself. I know my value. You can't get over on me or make me feel bad about, you know, standing up for myself. Absolutely. That is really great advice. Absolutely. So I want to switch gears just a little bit to talk more about um, you being a life coach. What Mm -hmm. methods do you normally use for coaching, and how has being a life coach truly impacted your life? Oh, man. You know, when I I did the life coaching thing, I was just like, wow. Like, I don't really use that title all the time, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't put the letters after my name or anything, but I just feel like it's an honor to be – a part of this industry, you know, however you get there. It's an unregulated um, industry, so a lot of people can say that they're a coach and they're not, but I remember um, before I ever did it, um, I was talking to somebody that I met on Twitter, and he he and I are, are cool now. We've met in person and everything, but when we were on Twitter, we had a talk about something. I don't remember what, and he was a life coach, and he told me, after he talked to me the first time, he said, you may not be certified, you may not have done any training or anything, but you're already a coach. I know you are. Now you, you, mm-hmm. just, you can just make it official. So a lot of times when there's yeah. things that we want to do or things that are in us, 
You know, you might need a professional validation from the world perhaps, but if you already have it, there's nothing to fear or if you, if you want to have it, you know, and you want to get those skills. So um, I do believe that I was a coach long before I decided to get certified. And when I started my podcast, Kicking It With Doree, that was the thing that I wanted to um, kind of be was a personal development, you know, guru. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the whole super – everybody that's on Super Soul Sunday, basically, like all the, like all those people. I wanted yeah. to be like all those people. And even if, you know, I, I didn't need to be famous, but I, I wanted to be in some ways like a lot of those people. And um, I felt like, in a way, not trying to be like Oprah, but just using that analogy, mm-hmm. Oprah started off as being a, a, a reporter and a journalist, and she interviewed yes. lots and lots of people, and she, you know, became so famous, and, and rightly so, and so successful, and so rich and everything, and so inspiring. And I said, well, I want to be sort of like, kind of like a mini Oprah but mm. on a podcasting level, on an audio level. I don't necessarily at this point in my life strive to be on TV. I mean, if it happens, that's great. But I wanted to, you know, again, using my voice, my main thing was using my voice and audio. And I said, if I could interview some really awesome people, it doesn't really matter to me if I have that, you know, certified life coach title designation or not, because I know I'm a coach, I know I have things that I can share with people and inspire people, and so I'm sort of like Oprahing my podcast. I'm like interviewing yeah. a lot of people, and then at some certain point, I decided that I would do some solo episodes when I got comfortable with it. Um, mm-hmm. Now, as far as the methods that I use, um, you know, my main thing was to like really help people get unstuck and empower them to transform like those mindsets and those limiting beliefs and patterns that they you know needed to break so that they could you know be more empowered you know like your mm-hmm. show like empowerment is what we're all about um absolutely and those mental those mental strongholds are the things that really get us you know what we believe on the inside manifests on the outside so if you, if, if you can't internalize it in your head and in your heart then you'll never act out the behaviors you'll never speak up for yourself. You'll never stop enabling people. You'll you'll never get out of a bad relationship. It's got to start in your mind and heart and, you know, that willingness instead of just going back to old habits um, and things that don't serve you well. So, like I said, the podcast mm-hmm. is like an extension of my coaching. Mm-hmm. I don't really have a lot of special tools that I use, but the one of the techniques that I always like to use and a lot of coaches do is journaling because I've been doing it almost all my life. Um, that's just a way that I like to give people prompts and have them, even if they don't share um, the journal with me, which they don't really need to, they, that, that's just an optional thing. I like for them to be able to get those thoughts out. And I personally like paper because there's something physiological yeah. about writing on paper with a pen that is different and it releases different things than typing um, or, or doing it on, on a mobile app. Um, so I am not coaching any particular clients at this time, like one-on-one or group coaching, but I mm-hmm. do always welcome feedback on the topics that uh, we, we discuss on the podcast because we're always addressing personal development issues. Awesome. So you just mentioned your podcast. If you can go into a little bit more detail as far as, um, you know, sharing what your podcast truly entails and what it's about. Oh, Yeah. 
Um, so my podcast is called Kicking It with Doree without the G. So it's like kicking it, like, you know, me and you are from a certain era, so you know we know what that means, but people really That's think right. I'm talking about, you know, kicking something, like I'm kicking the cat or something, and no G, okay? No G. So, so anyway, it's um, – you know, we're, we're, and that's what we're doing. We're just, we're just kicking it. We're just hanging. We're just talking. You know, like me and you were talking. You know, like mm-hmm. this could be, this could well be kicking it with Jerisha right now because I'm just like, right. you know, we're just talking. Um, that's right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I I interview women. I used to do a, a weekly podcast, and now I've gone to biweekly. Um, and sometimes I most of my interviews, I would say the first couple years, it was like really all interviews and then I started to gradually do more solo um interview uh, solo sh- ugh, I can't talk solo shows where it's just me and you know it's interesting I used to think that if I did solo shows you know I knew that I would have enough to say to you know make it worthwhile but I didn't know that th- some of those some of those shows would be more popular than the interviews and I'm like, people really want to wow. hear what I have to say. Like, mm-hmm. okay, that's pretty cool. Well, I, and that's what I want to do. We always want to be of service, right? But um, yeah, yeah. We, t- we talk a lot about a person, a lot of personal development issues. You know, we talk about, you know, the our mindset. We talk about self care. You know, we talk about, you know, dealing with toxic people. We talk about. Mm-hmm. I remember an episode where we were talking about etiquette. You know, just like business etiquette, personal etiquette, you know, being on an airplane, you know, and you might not think that's personal development, but it kind of is because you have to Mm -hmm. be somewhat developed to not punch the person behind you when they keep kicking your chair (laughs) on the airplane, you know. You have to have a certain level of, you know, of, of, you know, knowing yourself, knowing oneself and being patient in order to not hurt them. So, mm-hmm. you know, different things like that, you know, so like everyday stuff that, you know, we all go through because, like I say all the time, I love to spread positive messages and be positive, mm-hmm. but it's not natural. Every single day I have to make myself be positive. You know, I, I naturally am not naturally optimistic. I'm naturally pessimistic. I'm naturally like, you know, the person that would mutter something under her breath when something goes wrong or, you know, sigh in traffic because I hate traffic, things like that. So patience is hard for me. It's something that I'm always working on. I'll never be um, self-actualized with personal development, never. And mm-hmm. personal development is personal. So, yes. you know, there's things I talk about a lot of things that I deal with, but then you know, my guests come on and they talk about things that they see with their clients, those people that actually um, see clients, or sometimes I'll talk to authors, you know, and so they have Mm -hmm. different types of businesses. Um, So I think it's a really good time. There's lots of different perspectives. There are a few men that I've interviewed, but I would say probably 90% of my um, guests have been women. So, you know, we all can relate to each other. And, I mean, there's even an episode where we're talking about, you know, our periods and why we need to talk mm-hmm. about our periods because there's so many, Absolutely. you know, of us that grew up and it was like mm-hmm. a big, you know, it was very traumatizing to see that blood and not know what was happening. We were dying, mm-hmm. you know. So we, we talk about it all because we just kicking it. <laughs> That's right. And it's real life discussions and conversations. So absolutely. I love, I absolutely love that. So today's mm-hmm. empowerment quote was actually by Ayana Van Zandt. And it's, if you really want to live your life to the fullest and 
Realize your greatest potential. You must be willing to run the risk of making some people mad. People may, mm-hmm. people may not like what you do. People may not like how you do it. But these people are not living your life. You are. Could you share with the mm-hmm. listeners what this quote truly means to you? Oh, yeah. I think, like, yeah, that's what she's kind of saying, like, you can't please everyone and you shouldn't mm-hmm. try. You shouldn't right. try, you know. There's always going to be people out there that are controlling people that think they know better than you, people that don't want you to change. You know, when I was talking a few minutes ago about the toxic people, those people don't want you to change. They don't want you to learn yourself. They don't want you to express yourself. They don't want you to set boundaries because that threatens them. Then they have to face themselves. If you change, that is the easiest way to make somebody else change. People want yeah. – I'm going off a little bit on the side, but I just thought of this, so, so bear with me for a second. When, when, when sometimes we might, you know, say a prayer or think to ourselves, you know, I wish this person would change, the easiest way, maybe not the easiest, but I think the most direct way to change someone else, because I really don't believe that you can change anybody, the easiest way to change someone's behavior with you is to, for you to change your behavior with them. You have to stop allowing certain things that shouldn't be allowed. You need to maybe be silent when normally you are apologetic, you know, Mm. or be apologetic when you were being silent, you know, and saying, oh, I'm sorry, forgive me for not letting you know and letting this go on so long. Let me tell you, you know, what's really good. And I'm thinking about um, some of those, some of Iyanla's episodes of Fix My Life where she's mm-hmm. telling people to face each other and say, forgive me for allowing you to treat me badly because they're yes. letting you know that we're not apologizing because we didn't do what you wanted. We apologize for letting you think it was okay all these years. That's so right. <laughs> I really feel like you can't please everyone. You've got to draw the line. You have to know what your deal breakers are. And, or if you, and if you don't really know, then just think about those things that make you cringe. Do you ever, like, look at your phone ringing and you see the name on the phone and you're like, oh, man, uh-uh, I'm not answering this. I don't want to answer this. Mm-hmm. Do I have to answer this? Well, if I don't answer this, they're going to know that I didn't answer it. Should I press the button? Like, if you're going through all that, that is a person that probably you need to, you know, deal with. Because Absolutely. there might be something in there that's a deal breaker if they're causing you that much anxiety about whether or not you should answer the phone for them. Um, you got to pay attention to how you feel after you interact with yes. people, you know. Does it drain you? Does it cause you to be annoyed or anxious afterwards, even if they've left the room or you hung up the phone, you know. Um, so mm-hmm. pay attention to those signals and realize, like, expect that people will get mad, like Iyanla said, They will get mad when you change because a lot Mm -hmm. of people out here, they say that, you know, they're looking out, but they really don't want to see you doing good because if you change, that means they've got to change. Absolutely. Oh, that's good. That's that's good. I love that. So if you could go ahead and share with the listeners what is coming up on the horizon for you. Well... Well, glad you asked. Um, (laughs) Next weekend, um, uh, Friday, June 27th, and Saturday, June 28th, I am going to be attending the Hustle Her Way Summit in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm one of the sponsors. There's many um, beautiful um, black women entrepreneurs that will be there, and I'm one of the sponsors. 
Uh, we're going to be talking about branding and marketing for women entrepreneurs. I'm not going to be speaking about that in particular, but I need to be around people that can bring me up because I'm always, you know, trying to learn yeah. and grow and, you know, what's the next thing for me and or network with people because, you know, we're not mm -hmm. all good at everything and it's always good to have someone in your network that really knows um, how to do certain things so that you can refer to them or maybe even hire them, work with them, collab. Um, and I'm going to a bunch of other conferences too. I'm going to in September. I'm going to be going to the Inbound Conference, which is another marketing conference. Um, that's in Boston in September. And then the week after that, I'll be in New York for New York City <laughs> for um, <laughs> a voiceover conference. And then I'll be going to another voiceover conference in November. So I'm all over the place. And then I'm, for my birthday, I'm going to Hawaii. Like I said, yes, I'm doing it. Yay. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. <laughs> I've never been to Hawaii, but it sounds like so much fun. I know you're going to have an awesome time. Absolutely. Yeah, girl, I, I put it off for so long. I'm going to do a two-week cruise. Oh, yep. oh, that's going to be nice. Absolutely. Yes. So thank you so much for sharing your amazing story and journey. Um, please share with the listeners how they can stay connected and, you know, support your efforts. Sure, sure. So if you want to hear the podcast, um, you can find them wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever podcasts are free <laughs> because they're not sold. Mm -hmm. uh, com is the direct website for that. Um, if you're interested in some of my voiceover work, I do voice uh, commercials and films and other things. That site is called com. And then um, if you just want some freebies and resources from, you know, my coaching and other insights that I have, um, that's kicking it with Dere slash resources. And if you just want to follow me on social media and just see, you know, what I'm up to, um, I am at Dere Allen on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Awesome. Thank you so much. It has truly been an honor and a pleasure to have you as a guest on the show tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jerisha. I had fun. Like, I, I could, I can't believe it's been an hour. I could keep going. You I know. But I truly, I wish you nothing but success and nothing but the best and blessings as you continue on your journey. Yes, same here, same here. And, and I wish that for all our listeners, too. I hope they got something out of this that they can take with them, some nuggets somewhere. Absolutely. So, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in tonight's show with our special guest, Dari Allen of Eve. Dari shared her growth journey and some tips to help empower self-love and some insight on, help, on how to help us eliminate toxic relationships. If you are interested in being a guest on the show, starting your own radio show, or low-cost advertising highlighting your book, business, or event, please email envisionedbeatempoweronpurpose.com. Please tune in next week where you will hear an amazing story and journey from another leader, influencer, and motivator. Until next time, be blessed. Thank you for
for listening to the Empower Hour with Jerisha, where Jerisha speaks with leaders, influencers, and motivators who share their journeys in personal and professional growth, empowerment tips, lessons learned, and keys of success that will empower you to be your best self. Follow Jerisha on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Jerisha Moore and visit EmpowerOnPurpose.com. And remember to be intentional and be empowered and have a great day on purpose.